chapter number 8. You take your Bibles and turn to Luke 18. We'll be back there today. But in Romans chapter number 8, let me read to you one verse here. It's verse number 37. The Apostle Paul gives us a list of a lot of things that come against us as a child of God. Then he says in verse number, number 37, he says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. You need to understand that. As a child of God, if you're here today, you've been blood-bought, you've been born again, you've placed your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, and you're a part of the family of God, let me say something to you. You need to know that Jesus has conquered death, hell, and the grave. Listen, death, hell, and the grave has no power over you. I also want you to know, according to the Scripture, according to the Word of God, the power of Satan has no power over you. The strongholds of Satan has no power over you. You now have freedom in Christ to live in a way that's pleasing unto Him. So Paul can say, and we can trust in the fact, that we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. No matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what struggles you face, you can be confident of this, we are more than conquerors. Not through our power, but through His. Not because of our life, but because of His life that lives in us, that dwells in us, in the person of the Holy Spirit. What a blessing that truly is. Take your Bibles, look there in Luke chapter number 18, and we're again looking into our Bibles and seeing what Jesus has said. Now I want you to see what Jesus says because there's power in what Jesus says. The scripture tells us that if we continue in his word that we'll know the truth and the truth shall set us free. And so if you need to be set free, if you want to be set free, listen, today if you want to know who God is and who you are, you need to listen to what Jesus says. And, and he says a whole lot in Luke chapter number 18. And we've seen this the last few weeks. First of all, we looked in Luke chapter 18 at the deluded Pharisee. And folks, you know what deluded means. It means to be fooled. It means uh, to be deceived. And this Pharisee had been fooled. He had been deceived for he believed it was by his own good deeds that's what made him right with God through his own self-righteous works. Now listen to me very plainly. I want everybody to get a hold of this this morning. Everybody look at me. Anyone who believes it's through their own good deeds that they are made right with God, you have grossly underestimated the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. Listen to me, folks. None of us in our own power can make ourselves right with God. I don't care how many good things you do. None of us are going to be able to do enough for God's standard for holiness is perfection. All of us are going to fall short continually in our own power. That's why we need God's grace. That's why we need God's mercy. And I'm thankful this morning because God loved us. He's shown us grace and He's shown us mercy. Listen, God's grace is God giving us what we don't deserve and God's mercy is God not giving us what we do deserve. If we all got what we justly deserve, we would get a devil's hell. We're condemned. Why? Because we failed God. We've sinned in attitude. We came here sinners and we've sinned in action. We've chosen by our own free will to disobey God and that makes us unrighteous before a righteous, holy God. So we're never going to meet up to His standard. 
Heard a story one time about a little boy who was a good student in Sunday school, who had a good Sunday school teacher. And he was sitting there next to his mama. She was getting ready in her bedroom, and she's putting on her makeup in her makeup mirror. And she gets done doing all that she had to do with her makeup, and she looked over at her son, and she said, Son, I'm telling you, this makeup just ain't doing me any justice. He looked back at his mama and says, Mama, you don't need justice. You need mercy. Now, now listen to me. You need to understand, we don't need justice. If we get justice, all we can get is a devil's hell. We're all worthy of that. What we need is mercy. What we need is grace. And what that Pharisee that was deluded, listen, that was fooled and deceived by the enemy himself, he thought he was good enough to make himself right to God who is perfectly holy. And i got to be honest with you. I believe churches are filled Sunday in and Sunday out with people just like that man. And they believe if I can come to church enough, if I can do enough good things, if I can be a good husband, be a good father, be a good wife, be a good mother, be a good employee, be a good citizen, whatever is in your mind according to your standard, you think you're going to be okay. Listen to me. You need grace. I need grace. We all need grace. None of us can make ourselves right. That's the story of the deluded Pharisee. But then we saw... Last week, the story of a dishonest, young, rich young ruler, the, uh, this dishonest youth who came to Jesus pretty much just bragging about all the stuff that he had done and what he hadn't done. See, he thought salvation was spelled due. <laughs> and some people are like that today, are they not? They think it's all by what they do that's going to make them right with God. Some people think salvation is spelled don't. They think it's what they don't do that makes them right with God. Let me tell you how the Bible spells salvation, Done. Listen, Jesus paid for your sin debt at the cross. Jesus paid for my sin debt at the cross. He has extended to us grace that comes because of love. Can you say amen? And the grace that was given to us through the Lord Jesus now saves us when we choose to place our faith in Him. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Amen. This dishonest youth, I feel sorry for him. He was so proud of who he was. He was so proud of what he had accomplished. But what he had accomplished and what we accomplish is not near enough to make us right with God. This young man went away sorrowful. Listen, because he didn't trust in who Jesus was and what Jesus could do. I don't want the same thing to be true of you. I don't want you to go away sorrowful not having trusted in who Jesus is. One of my favorite preachers. It's a man by the name of Vody Basham. Anybody ever heard of Vody Basham? I love that brother. If you get a chance, look up Vody Basham and listen to some of the messages that this brother preached. Boy, God's got his hand on him. He said this. He said, there's nothing wrong with being a good mother or a good father. There's nothing wrong with being a good employee or employer. There's nothing wrong with coming to church and being baptized. Ain't nothing wrong with any of that stuff. But listen to what he says. However... None of these things can save you. Do you hear me? None of these things are salvific. None of these things have the power to bring you from spiritual deadness to life. None of these things have the power to bring you out of the darkness and into the marvelous light of the Lord Jesus. None of these things can make you right with God. Let me tell you how I know this. Because people were doing all these things before Jesus came. 
If any of those things could save you, Jesus never had to come and pay your sin debt on the cross. So we need to understand, folks. Let's not be dishonest like that young man there in Luke 18. Let's not be dishonest with ourselves. We all need God. Let's not be, be dishonest with who He is. He came to save us. That young man missed it. I don't want you to miss it. Today, I'm so thankful I get to preach to you. And from Luke chapter 18, uh, verse number, let's look at verse number 35 through 43. Today, I want to talk to you about a determined beggar. Look what the Bible says, 35 through 43. I'm going to read it for you. I got three points and I'll be done. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man, everybody say blind man, sat by the wayside begging, and hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before him rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried out so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. Verse 40 says, And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath saved thee. Thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight. And followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Lord, I'm so thankful this morning that you are not hiding from us. I'm thankful this morning you've done everything necessary for us to know you in a personal way. Lord, I'm thankful that we all need grace and you have given us the gift of grace. I'm thankful, Lord, this morning that mercy is available for those who ask for it. I'm thankful this morning that you love us with an unconditional, everlasting love. I'm thankful today that your word is truth. I'm thankful for the message you've given me, Lord, and I'm asking that you be with me in this presentation as you've been with me in my preparation. Lord, I'm praying that you be glorified, that the church be unified, that Satan be horrified, and that you would receive all glory from everything that takes place in these services today. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would do the work that only you can do. I can preach truth, but only you can impart truth. So I'm asking that you convict hearts, change lives, do your work among these people. And for these things we're going to ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things that I want you to see this morning. First of all, I want you to see the desperation of the beggar. Then we're going to see the declaration of the beggar. And then we're going to see the demonstration of the power of God. Let's look together there in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse number 38. And he cried, saying, now in the Amplified Version, it says that he shouted. And it is a good reason it says that, because the original Greek word for cried actually means to scream to the top of your lungs. This man who was blind, who could not see, who continually walked in darkness. Listen, when he heard that Jesus was coming by, he cried out in desperation, Lord, have mercy on me. 
We see by how he's crying out that this man is desperate for Jesus to do the work that only Jesus can do. Let me tell you something I pray for at Mount Zion Baptist Church continually. I pray that we get desperate for God to do what only God can do. Let me tell you what excites me about church. It's not what we can do in our own power. It's not the plans and programs that we can create and learn to run through self-righteous, self-willed ability that comes in the flesh. That's not what excites me. What excites me is when I see God working on, working in, and working through His people to accomplish His purpose for His honor and His glory will praise God. Then we've got something. But we can only have that unless we become desperate. Let me tell you what I fear so many times. We learn to do church without the power of God. We learn to go through the motions, sing the songs, pray the prayers, even preach the sermons. But we're not desperate for God to show up and show out. If there's one prayer you need to be praying for your pastor is that weekly, God speaks to my heart what we stand in need of. That God gives me boldness to make known the mystery of the gospel. I'm praying that God would have his way and have his will in absolutely everything that takes place from Sunday school to preaching to worship to praying to whatever we're doing. May God be honored and glorified. Can you say amen to that? We gotta get desperate for him, church. I don't wanna come to church and it be dead as a, as a hammer. Eh? How many like that? Anybody, anybody like that here? Anybody okay with that here? I'm gonna tell you something. If you're okay with that, you're in the wrong place. That's not what I'm in it for. That's not what you should be in it for. We need to get desperate for a move of God. And I believe when we get desperate, according to the truth of Scripture, Jesus will show out, show out and do what only He can do. That's what happened right here in Luke chapter 18. Now, how many of you know, if God can do it then, He can still do it now. The, Bible, the Scripture says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. We know from His exclamation, from Him shouting, crying out, <laughs> Jesus, have mercy on me. This man was desperate for a move of God. Oh, we need to be desperate for a move of God in our individual lives. We need to be desperate for a move of God collectively as a church body. Now, we don't only see it by how he cries out. We also see it because of the things that were, standing, that were stacked against him. But he still cried out to the Lord. First of all, he was blind. Amen? To be blind means you're in darkness. To be blind means he could not see where Jesus was. But even though he could not see Jesus with his physical eyes, he still by faith called out believing Jesus would hear him. Now there's, there's some good truth there for you and me. How I many know you're going to face things in your life and you're going to wonder, Lord, what in the world is going on? Child of God, you're going to go through tough times, those times, those things that uh, the Apostle Paul mentions in Romans chapter number 8 that we uh, read just a portion of a minute, minute ago. You're going to go through some, some terrible things, some heart-wrenching things, sickness, trouble, trial, tribulation, persecutions. All of the things that we know happen in this life, you're going to go through that. You're going to wonder where is God and you're going to be able to see Him. We don't see Him with our physical eyes. Can you say amen? Now I see evidence of Jesus working and doing what only God can do. I see evidence of 
God working in people's lives. I see evidence of God in creation, but I cannot yet see him with my physical eyes. And there's coming a time when I will look upon the face of the one who saved me by his grace. Can you say amen? What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. So I'm looking forward to that time, but as of right now, I cannot see him with my fleshly eyes. However, I need to do what this beggar does, and you need to do what this beggar does, and cry out in faith, even though you can't see Jesus working on your behalf. Why? Because as a child of God, I know he is. Amen? Amen? As a child of God, as someone who's been blood-bought, born again, sanctified and set apart for God's purpose, I know he's working for me. I know that he works all things together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. How do I know that? Romans 8, 28 told me. I know he never leaves me nor forsakes me, according to Hebrews 13, 5. I know that according to Philippians 1, 6, that he that hath begun the good work in me will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. No matter what things I go through, no matter what stuff happens in my life, and we all got stuff, no matter what I go through, no matter what comes against me, I can trust that Jesus is working things together for my good. Not because I can see it always, not even because I can feel it always, because I've trusted and want to know to be true and God's word is truth. If you believe it this morning, say amen. You've got to stop learning to trust in your feelings. Your feelings will fool you. You've got to learn to trust in the word of God, child of God. Now that's a message for children of God. That's a message for the blood bought. Let me give you the message for the lost. You may not see Jesus working, but I believe he's working bringing you unto himself. I believe he's at work. Listen, especially if you're here today, you're not here by accident. God has you here for a reason. I believe he wants you to know how much he loves you. I believe he wants you to know what grace is. I believe he wants you to know that it's not by what you do or don't do or what you have done that makes you right with God. But listen, it's by placing your faith in Jesus and being born again. I want you to know that Jesus... He's softly and tenderly calling. I heard this old hymn song this week. <laughs> I love it. We used to sing it a lot in church. Some of you are going to remember it. Softly and tenderly is the name of it. Let me get the right page number because I want to read it to you. I'm not going to sing it to you. That wouldn't be a blessing to nobody. But reading it to you, man, there's power in it. Listen to me, lost friend. I want you to know that even though you may not see it with your physical eyes, Jesus is at work bringing, your, bringing you unto himself. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading, pleading for you and for me? Why should we linger and heed not his mercies, mercies for you and for me? Time is now fleeting. The moments are passing, passing from you and from me. Shadows are gathering. Deathbeds are coming, coming for you and for me. Oh, for wonderful love he has promised, promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon, pardon for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling all sinner. 
come home. I want you to know, child of God, even though you may not see Jesus at work, he is at work, and we know he's at work according to the truth of Scripture. I want you to know, lost man, lost woman, lost child, I want you to know Jesus is at work even right now, drawing you, wooing you, bringing you unto himself. You may not see him with your physical eyes, but I'm telling you, just like the beggar, we all need to call upon him in desperation, if you believe it, say amen. Now listen. I want you to see the desperation of the beggar. I want you to see the declaration of the beggar. Put verse 38 on the screen for me, please. Luke 18, verse 38. For I am persuaded. Luke 18, verse 38. Watch this. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David. That's a very important declaration that this man is making. The son of David is to be the promised Messiah. You see, all throughout the Old Testament, the prophets who heard the voice of God and then spoke the words of God to the people, they were all saying that the throne of David would always, always be in power. That the son of David would come and usher in a new kingdom on whom, listen, with a throne on whom the King of kings and the Lord of lords sits. Amen? Now, listen to me. When this blind beggar heard that Jesus was near, he cries out and makes a declaration of faith. What he's saying is, I believe you are the Messiah. I believe you are the promised one. I believe you are the son of David. I believe you are the son of God and God the son. What a declaration. He knew that the son of David would be able, I done lost my Bible. He knew the son of David would be able to heal blinded eyes. How do you know it? Because the truth of the word of God. Look at Isaiah 35 with me. Isaiah 35. Let's look at verse 1. Watch this. When you got it, say, I got it. I want everybody to see this. Good. I'd like to hear those pages turning, man. Reading your Bibles. Look in your Bibles. I want you to see what I'm telling you is the truth. Isaiah 35 is a prophecy of the coming Christ, the Messiah himself. This is what it says. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. The place where there is deadness is going to spring forth in life, is what verse 1 says when the Messiah comes. Isn't that good news? <laughs> I'll tell you what. That blesses my soul every time I think about it because that's a perfect picture of my life. And I was lost and undone. Had no peace, no purpose, no joy. I had stuff the world could give, but the stuff the world could give could not fulfill the longing of my soul. And then, then I met Jesus. He found me. He left the 99 come looking for me and the place of deadness sprung forth into new life. And the peace I'd been looking for I received. And the purpose that makes life for living, worth living he gave me. And the joy of the Lord, joy unspeakable and full of glory, he filled my life with it. Praise God. That's what the Messiah does. 
Watch, verse 2. And it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given uh, unto it and the excellency of Carmel and Sharon. I wish we had time to develop this. We don't. That's a different message for a different day. Look at the last part of this. They shall see the glory of God, the excellency of our God. Strengthen ye the weak hands. Your hands ever get weak? The scripture says the Messiah strengthens weakened hands. And confirms feeble knees. Say to them of a fearful heart. You ever been of a fearful heart? The scripture says when the Messiah comes, he brings peace to the fearful heart. Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. Watch this, verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf, deaf shall be unstopped. Isn't that amazing? Let me tell you what this beggar's doing. He's placing his faith in the person of Jesus as being the Son of God and God the Son, the Messiah that has been promised. But now listen, he's also placing his faith in the truth of the Word of God. Now there's great truth there for me and you. Let me tell you what we've got to start doing, child of God. Listen to me. We've got to place our faith in God's Word. And we've got to faith, place our faith in God's person. We've got to act like God is telling the truth. And we've got to live out these promises accordingly in our lives. If you want to see a move of God individually or collectively as a church body, that's what it's going to take, believing God. Amen? You just need to see the desperation of this beggar. The declaration of this beggar. But you also got to see the demonstration of God's power. Watch. Luke 18. Don't you love it that there's a lot of people who were opposed? To this man shouting to the top of his lungs. It's like, man, shut You got to be quiet. What are you doing? He was, he was messing up the status quo. You know? I mean, that, that ain't really how we do things. If you would, just uh, simmer down just a little bit. Jesus has got a lot going on. There's too much going on for, he ain't got time to mess with you. But even though they said you got to be quiet and rebuked him, the Bible says, he cried out all the louder, Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. You know what that tells me? He wasn't worried about what nobody else thought. Listen to me. We need to quit being worried about what everybody else thinks. Child of God, don't you worry about what anybody else thinks, says, or does. I don't have to answer for you. And you don't have to answer for me, but we're all going to give account of ourselves when we stand before the Lord. So I'm going to quit worrying about what you do or don't do, and I'm going to quit worrying about what you say or don't say. I'm just going to do what I know is pleasing to the Lord. I'm going to be desperate for Him, and I'm going to let it be shown in what I say, how I live, and everything that I do. I'm not living for you, and you're not living for me. 
This man was not concerned about what others thought. He was concerned about Jesus hearing him and doing what needs to be done. Should that not also be our concern? And then, when he cries out in desperation and makes this great declaration, God demonstrates his power doing what only he can do. Verse 41, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said, And receive thy sight. Thy faith hath made thee whole. The faith has saved thee. What saves you? What saved this man? This man's eyes were darkened blind and the scripture says that the God of this world hath blinded the eyes of them that don't believe people who are apart from Christ who stand in rejection of Jesus their eyes are blinded they're in the dark and so the blind man here is a perfect picture of how to truly receive sight and I want to tell you something, lost friend. The way you truly receive sight is through faith in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. This man was looking forward to what Jesus would do as Messiah. We're looking back to what Jesus has done having completed his task. Amen. Still, it's faith in Jesus that makes us whole. And I don't want it any other way. If salvation is about what I can do, I can mess it up. But if salvation is a supernatural work of God done by the person of the Holy Spirit, it can be done perfectly. And the writer of the book of Hebrews says, he is able to make perfect them that call upon him. <laughs> Praise God. It, it's a great thing that this man received physical sight. But you know what? It's a greater thing even still, much greater thing for you to receive spiritual life, for your spiritual eyes to be opened, for you to be called out of the darkness of sin into the marvelous light of Jesus, for you to be called out of spiritual deadness into new life in Christ. That's a much more greater miracle. Let me tell you why. Because this man that was healed there, the beggar on the roadside, his eyes one day closed in death. His eyes one day got dark again, <laughs> physically speaking. But I want to tell you something. For the child of God, once you've been brought out of the spiritual darkness and into the marvelous light of Christ, we will experience that light for all of eternity. That's a much greater miracle. You talk about a demonstration of God's power. Listen, salvation of an unbeliever is the greatest demonstration of the power of God that you're ever going to see. God loves you. I don't care who you are today, he loves you. And he's still able to change hearts and change lives. And you know what else? 
what happened today through a demonstration, or what happened then through a demonstration of the power of God, not only changed this beggar's life, but it changed everybody around there's life. Look what it says, verse 43. And immediately he received sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Let me tell you this. If you're here today and you're a child of God, and there's just some things, some stuff going on in your life, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you've got stuff and I've got stuff. We all got stuff. Financial stuff, relational stuff, physical stuff, all kind of stuff. Emotional stuff. All of us got it. Nobody's exempt from it. Let me tell you what I want you to do. Get desperate for the Lord today. Make a declaration of faith yourself. Trust in who God is. Trust in what God has said. And listen, experience by faith a demonstration of the power of God. Maybe you just need to come and talk to talk over some things with the Lord in this time of invitation. Some stuff that's going on with you, child of God. Listen, if you are here today and you're lost, you need to do the same thing. Number one, you need to get desperate for the Lord because He's the only one that can save you. You can't save yourself. We've seen that all throughout this chapter. The Pharisee couldn't save himself. The rich young ruler couldn't save himself. This blind beggar couldn't save himself. We can't save ourselves. We've got to get desperate enough for the Lord that we fall down hopeless and helpless before the cross and say, be merciful unto me, a sinner. That's what the publican did, wasn't it? You remember that story? And the Bible says that he went away from there justified, made right in the eyes of God, justified by faith in Jesus. Wow. Get desperate. Make your declaration of faith, trusting that Jesus died for your sin. Believing on Him for salvation. Faith and repentance bring salvation. When you place your faith in Christ, listen, you repent of your old way and you turn to Jesus. And everybody who turns to Him, He will in no wise cast out. Amen? And you're talking about a demonstration of power. Man, then you will have the power needed to live a life pleasing to God. Then you can experience the peace of God, the power of God, the purpose of God, the joy of the Lord. You can truly know what life really is because those who don't know Jesus are not really living, they're just existing. I know that because that's where I was. So whoever you are, whatever you need, let me tell you what I know. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He's able. He's able. This is your invitation. Child of God, if you need this morning to hear from the Lord, to do business with your heavenly Father, this altar is a great place to do it. Lost friend, if you need to be saved, you just come say, brother, I need to be saved. Now, I can't save you. This church can't save you, and walking an aisle don't save you, but I'll share with you in the Word of God what it means to trust in Jesus by faith for the forgiveness of sin. If you need the Lord in any way, 
God has brought you, us all right here to this moment for this purpose. Everybody stand together. I found out in my life as a believer a lot of times I, I, I miss out or forfeit the goodness of God and the power of God that would meet my need because I'm too prideful to get desperate for Him I want to handle it myself I get so independent many times of the Lord and God continually has to remind me He wants me to call on Him he wants me to depend upon Him. Listen, I need, I must depend upon Him because I'm not enough. My shoulders ain't big enough. Man, as a pastor, I come to find out. I'm not enough. I'm not what you need in this church. What you need is a man full of God. I need Him. As a father, I'm not enough. What my kids need is a father full of Jesus. He's enough. As a husband, I'm not enough. What my wife needs as a husband full of Jesus. I'm not enough. We've got to get dependent upon the Lord, desperate for Him, if we're going to see God move in power and a demonstration of power that changes hearts and changes lives.